Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Monday Madness Sports Talk, talking the latest in Chicago and sports news. We'll probably define this story as one of the, if not the, number one comeback story in sports. Inviting you to join me, Noah Festenstein, every Monday from 11 to 12 on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Everything's kind of turned around. The pitching has turned around. The offense has been producing enough to be very well acclaimed. And now here I am with this week's edition of Monday Madness Sports Talk. Live from One East Jackson, my name is Noah Festenstein, your host of Money Man of Sports Talk right here at RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Welcoming into the 135th edition of MMST right here at Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. It is the final show of the quarter and the final show of the 2018-19 fiscal school year here at DePaul University, the finest, I would say, university of all the universities. That's my opinion. That's why I'm here. And the finest college radio station in all the land is why I'm here as well. Right here, Monday Man of Sports Talk, Radio DePaul Sports. My name is Noah Festenstein. You got a lot planned for you today. Going to get into some baseball to start off the show. Going to tackle some NHL finals, some NBA finals as well. And I'm going to debut a segment that I've always wanted to debut for a long time. I know I always do the whip segment and I always do another, a couple other segments. But I'm going to do a segment that kind of combines the whip segment and the grind my gear segment. It's called That's Madness. We'll get into that later. But we'll see how that goes. And then after that's madness, I'm going to get into some UFC. UFC 238 was a great event on Saturday in Chicago at the United Center. Going to get into that. And then afterwards, I want to kind of recap the year and talk about uh, what's to come for Monday Madness Sports Talk and a couple of other cool announcements that I want to make in regards to the show. So stay tuned for the entirety. It's going to be a great one. Uh, I want to remind you guys, you can tune in. Anytime you forget or miss the show, you're it's okay. You can go on Spotify. Spotify, just look me up. Monday Mana Sports Talk or Noah Festenstein. Uh, you can also look uh, Monday Mana Sports Talk up on Apple Podcasts. It's also on Apple Podcasts or Anchor FM, which is the basically uh, the mothership of my podcasting uh, is Anchor FM. So please tune in via that. All right. So, since this is the final show of the year, um, I was planning on maybe making it very special. Uh, so, I will in, in, in a little bit in ways. So, you're kind of notice that throughout the show today. Uh, but for now, I want to play some audio. Uh, this is from the game yesterday. I want to play three bits of audio, kind of running through what happened as the Cubs swept the Cardinals uh, in their series at home. They went three for three right after last week. When I was talking at the time last week during my show, uh, the Cubs got swept by the Cardinals at Bush Stadium. So now the Cubs were able to sweep them at Wrigley. Here is uh, the go-ahead RBI single by David Bodie uh, that helps the Cubs take the lead. Basically, the game-winning hit. So take a listen. Two plate appearances for David. Both have come with a runner in scoring position, and this time he cashes in. Back that Bodie up. 
Back that Bodie up indeed. David Bodie, man, how hot has he been? First of all, uh, I have always mentioned, and I'm going to mention this when I, I'm about to play a Victor Carantini clip uh, from the ball game from the other day, uh, that just guys, you don't, you know, expect to step up to the plate every single time or not every single time in the best times possible. David Bodie's one of those guys. Victor Caratini was in that series as well, making those big-time hits. David Bodie, he was like a triple shy a few games ago of a cycle. Like, that was three at-bats into his day. It's insane the amount of talent the Cubs have when you talk about depth. And when you talk about the depth in the Chicago lineup, offensively, I've always glorified how much depth that the Chicago Cubs have. And I think David Bodie... And Victor Caratini, who I'm about to play uh, his audio from the other day, was that the Cubs have that depth. And it was proven with this Caratini's bases clearing uh, double from the game on Saturday where the Cubs won 9-4. So take a listen. The bench and hit. And if Caratini hits a grand slam, you can get 30% off any Papa John's order tomorrow. A single a walk, that was it for Brebbia. Pitching change, and Gant greeted with that hit by Almora. Here's Caratini. In the left field, down the line, past Ozuna. One run scores, Hayward. Here comes the next, Bodie, and all the way around to score, Almora. Caratini delivers, and it's 7 to 4. Chicago. So to take the lead was Caratini there as the game was tied 4 to 4. And just those clutch in time moments that these players can have. Anywhere in the lineup, it is possible. And that has been proven time and time and time again. Let me tell you, this Cubs team, as, as much as I have talked about their struggles, as much as I have mentioned that the Cubs haven't shown up in places that they maybe should have shown up, they can do it. And the potential is there. And let me get to this point right now because I made it last week what the Cubs needed was that middle relief, that late relief in the bullpen. They got it with Strope coming back. They can get it if Morrow, Brandon Morrow, can get healthy. But guess what? They signed Craig Kimbrell, baby. Let's go! I got so psyched when they signed Brandon Morrow. The only thing I was not psyched about was that it happened on Wednesday when I was at the Chicago Wolves game, and I wasn't able to talk about it on my show, and I wasn't. I was so, so, like, pumped up. You don't even know. Um, I'm glad I'm getting pumped up about it now because it's such a great signing. The most timely signing, I think, ever since the Chicago Cubs signed, not signed, uh, acquired Araldis Chapman via trade back in 2016 uh, when the Cubs traded away Glaber Torres to the Yankees for a, basically a rental for Araldis Chapman that basically helps the Chicago Cubs win the World Series in 2016. This can be that move. And I said this on the show last week that really the Cubs needed that one extra piece to be that championship-worthy team. And I think with this move, 
signing Craig Campbell not just to one year, which is what I expected them to sign, or even a half a year for that matter, but three years, $43 million, 42 when it comes down to it, $43 million really is an insane offer. Well, not really, in a good way, like not in a bad way. It's a great offer. Like, to have that arm for three more years in your bullpen and have that backup, the Cubs really haven't assured, really, since 2015, really, it was Hector Rondon that was making those closing uh, stints for the Chicago Cubs. It, <laughs> it's just clearly amazing that what, like, how Theo Epstein um, has gone about signing players in those timely matters and creating certain bonds with players, even when that player is not on their team. You're, they were talking about it in the Craig Kimbrell uh, conference when he was signing, making it official with the Cubs. Sitting down, he's like, you know, this is in the works. This is what Theo and I wanted to happen. They created that bond. They created that kind of one-on-one relationship saying, okay, if you want this, then I want this. And the sign worked out. Craig Kimbrell hasn't made an appearance yet. He could have in the past couple games, but the Cubs weren't in a safe position. To my point, having that run support, having that offensive support, uh, and they didn't have that offensive support when the Cubs were at Bush Stadium facing the Cardinals back a week and a half ago. Now that they have it, they're back at Wrigley Field, and they've proven that they have it, even though it doesn't look like that they do. The Cubs have that type of production. Um, I'm very ha- I'm very, very happy about it. I'm very proud of where the Cubs are from a Cubs fan standpoint. As an analyst, I say to you, Cubs fan, uh, be you know, be wary of how the, each game plays out. You know, from inning one to inning nine, everything in between, everything matters for for the equation to work out. You know, the Cubs equation is having that all around versatility, all around collectiveness within the team to know that they have basically what it takes to reach that next level, that championship level. The sign for Craig Kimbrell did that. Uh, I think the healthiness and the rehabilitation of Pedro Strope in the bullpen, uh, what Chris Bryan has done in his own rehab, coming back from an injury last year and having a monster season this year. Kyle Schwarber, I would love to mention him. I always talk about his uh, market value and, you know, maybe wanting to trade, but at the same time, I think his market value right now is the highest it's ever been, the way he's been playing right now, in the leadoff spot in particular. I talked about it with uh, a couple weeks ago with NBC, NBC Sports Chicago writer Tim Stebbins, who's got that leadoff spot, and it's been Kyle Schwarber, and it still consistently has been Kyle Schwarber, which it's really happy, uh, at least from my point of view, that Kyle Schwarber has been doing this uh, from a leadoff spot. He's been hitting home runs. Uh, he's been able, He's been able to get on base. And the reason why the Cubs have been winning now, and I talked about it last week but in terms of the excessive home run count, Cubs have been putting runners on base and tr- and just moving moving station to station. It doesn't have to be by home run. If you move station to station, it's going to become contagious for that next guy to get a hit, to get that next guy around to cross home plate. Uh, it's been fantastic. You know, the two pieces of audio I played for you guys today were both not home runs. They were RBI singles and RBI double. You know, playing, not doing too much. When you don't do too much, you can do a lot in in cases, and that's why we call this game of baseball, the beautiful game of baseball, a game of inches. Uh, I'm going to play one more audio clip. 
on behalf of MLB.com. Every all of my audio clips have been on behalf of MLB.com, the MLB at bat app. So it is not my content. I do not own it, but um, you know I can own the fact that I'm a very proud Cubs fan uh, to see that Carlos Gonzalez had a home run for the Chicago Cubs. Take a listen. Gonzalez with some carry to the other field. Ozuna back, leaps, and it's into the basket. So that was Carlos Gonzalez's first ever home run with the Chicago Cubs. Um, that's beautiful. Just beautiful. I, <laughs> Carlos Gonzalez... Uh, you know, I wanted him to have my home run, hit a home run in a Chicago Cubs jersey, and he's already done it. He showed it with opposite field pop. He, off the bat, swung at a good pitch and drove it <laughs> drove it where he needed to drive it. And um, that's, just, that's just his power. I When I was watching Carlos Gonzalez when he was on the Rockies, basically in his prime, was that kind of pop. Uh, and if you can consistently do that with Chicago Cubs, he can go back to that kind of prime standpoint he was with the Colorado Rockies. So another great sign, a great acquisition on behalf of Theo Epstein. Uh, great uh, commentating by Matt Bashkirjian. I always appreciate, have a certain infatuation with his commentating because uh, he's just a fun commentator. I love his home run calls. Honestly, I'm influenced by his home run calls. It's pretty fun. All right, I'm going to update you guys on the MLB standings. We got uh, in the AL East, the New York Yankees and Tur- uh, Tampa Bay Rays are tied. Um, they are both 40 and 24 as the Boston Red Sox are seven games back in that one. In the AL Central, we got the Minnesota Twins crushing it. Uh, of course, they've been doing even better. I think last week they were, what, eight and a half in front. Now they're ten and a half in front of the Cleveland Indians, where he's now the 12 and a half in, or 12 games in front of the, the Chicago White Sox, who do have a valiant chance to maybe even make a wild card push as much as they can make a push for a 500 record. I can get into that uh, on a different show for the White Sox. Uh, but going into the AL West, we got the Houston Astros up front, nine and a half games in front of the Texas Rangers, who do hold a wild card spot. I think that is behind, from my understanding, yeah, the Tampa Bay Rays, who are well, and whoever doesn't win the AL East will probably get the top wild card spot uh, at this point of the season. Going to the National League, we got the NL East. We got the Philadelphia Phillies up in front, a game in front of the Atlanta Braves, who made a really big splash in their signing for Dallas Keuchel uh, going to Atlanta. So uh, expect Atlanta to become a little bit more of a force. Uh, in the uh, NL East as we approach the second half of the season. All right, in the NL West, we got the L.A. Dodgers, 11 games in front of both Colorado and Arizona. Wow. Uh, So L.A. Dodgers, we already know, I mean, for the past few years, they've been dominating the NL West. You kind of look for that continuation of that domination going forward. Um, In the NL Central, the Chicago Cubs lied. They are in front in a way in terms of – winning percentage, but that doesn't matter really. It's really technically tied between the Chicago Cubs and Milwaukee Brewers uh, as the St. Louis Cardinals, with being swept, are now five and a half games behind first place. So a huge sweep for the Chicago Cubs against the St. Louis Cardinals there. In the wild card, we got the AL, Houston Astros, 45. Or Sorry, no, they're in the lead. Sorry. So Texas and Tampa Bay and New York are atop the way AL wild card standings. The NL wild card standings got Philadelphia and... Sorry, who, who? It's okay. Atlanta and Philadelphia 
and um, Colorado are the top three in the NL wild card. All right. One minute, minute after my supposed time for my segment in terms of NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs, we're going to get into that. Um, but as I conclude the MLB, I'm really excited. I know the um, All-Star game is very close, right around the corner. So very excited about that. Um, so start getting our voice in. That's it. That's it. So uh, let's take a minute break. We're going to get back into some NHL finals, talk about the Game 7 preview, and more. Coming up, this is Radio DePaul Sports. Noah Festenstein with you on Monday Man of Sports. I'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes I do the same things over and over until one day I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Whoa, long time no see. It's me, the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet. Remember? You crowd surfed in me, man. But you haven't worn me in like forever. I get it, you're retired, but I still got some rock left in me. So take me to Goodwill, where I could really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Blaze Mesa, former co-host on Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein, and you're listening to Radio DePaul Sports. And welcome back to Monday Man of Sports Talk, Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festenstein, taking you into the next segment where we're talking about some NHL finals, NBA finals. So I got about... A little bit to do that. All right. That was reeling us into this segment, Millennium and Lost. Uh, so let's get to it, shall we? It is game seven. The best two words in sports. Coming to you from Boston on Wednesday night. And couldn't be any more excited. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues are going to face off in what I consider to be one of the best NHL playoffs I have seen in a very long time. 
you know, the best game, I think, in the playoffs came from a Game 7. That was between the Las Vegas Golden Knights and San Jose Sharks back in Round 1. There's been a couple other Game 7s, notably, that have been amazing. So why not expect a fantastic Game 7 here on Wednesday night for the Stanley Cup Final? Throughout the series, Game 1, the St. Louis Blues won 3-2. Game 2, I'm sorry, no, that, I'm not scrolled up enough to, to look at. So um, Game 1, it was 4-2 Bruins uh, who won at home. And then it was 3-2 Blues in Game 2. That was a final in OT. In Game 3, it was 7-2 Bruins. So that's when I said after that, like, you know, it's hard to come back from it. You know, losing by margin of five at home in the Stanley Cup Finals. But the Bruins uh, did not uh, maintain that momentum going into Game 4 as the Blues won by a score 4-2 in Game 4, tying up the series at 2. That was probably the biggest game in the series for the Blues to win. Uh because the next game they were able to take the series lead by winning 2-1 to one on the road in Boston. And then in Game 6, the Bruins won on the road by another bigger mar- another big margin on the road, 5-1. to one. So kind of an interesting series in terms of, like, bouncing back and forth with, you know, um, the Bruins having full control and the Blues finding a way to squeak by and stuff. So why not expect that great game on Saturday? Or, I'm sorry, not Saturday, Wednesday. Um... Some very, you know, David Pasternak for the Boston Bruins, Brad Marchand has been the best players uh, in throughout the Stanley Cup Finals, uh, and they're going to be the biggest forces for the uh, Boston Bruins. And then for the Blues, uh, who scored the only goal on uh, the other night was Ryan O'Reilly, and then you got to look at David Perron, Alex Pet- uh, Petrangelo, and uh, yeah, so it's just... You're looking at what the matchup is on Wednesday and you got to tell yourself who's been having the best playoff run who's really shown that they are the true Stanley Cup champions and you look at both teams you're like how am I supposed to decipher this um and I I I personally say the blue uh the not the blues the Bruins I think the Bruins have it um but you can never be so sure Especially with that Game 5 loss at home for the Burns. Uh, you can never, ever be so sure. With the Blues never winning, winning a Stanley Cup, it's going to be that type of ser- that type of game for the Blues to, like, get in there and get the job done. Like, they haven't done it this entire playoffs. It's just a different game. This is the most different game out of all games you're going to see in the Stanley Cup Finals. I am so pumped for it. I, 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 I anticipate to be watching that game Wednesday night. Um, I haven't really watched many Stanley Cup uh, playoff games this season, but it's okay. I am going to catch up with this one. This one is going to be one to watch. I encourage everyone else to watch it, um, including in the NBA Finals tonight with a chance to win are that of the Toronto Raptors. Let's get into that right after this 30-second break. Stay tuned. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I do the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. 
Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Alrighty, welcome back to Money Mass Sports Talk. We're talking NBA Finals that continue tonight at 8 Central Time in Toronto as the Toronto Raptors lead 3-1 going into Game 5. And my prediction can't, went through the roof like all my other predictions uh, in both playoffs, in the NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs. As um, Really, it's kind of been a flip-flop of what my prediction was. I predicted Golden State in 5. Now the Toronto Raptors have a chance to win it in 5. So... Boy, have the tides have turned, but very excited nonetheless because um, I'm really looking forward to what really the the starting lineup can do for the Toronto Raptors, who I've been really, really kind of entertained by. My favorite player currently is Marcus Gasol, the center for um, the Toronto Raptors, and just that big man up in front is all you need to kind of uh, find that rhythm if you may say, and you kind of get that rhythm backed up by those guys like Kyrie Leonard and Kyle Lowry, uh, Pascal Saikam, who's been playing very well at forward, uh, and Fred Fran, Fran, ah, Fred Flan Fleet, who comes on and plays, you know, just 110% basketball every single time. Um, it's, it's, it's hard, obviously, when you're facing guys in the Warriors to the likings of Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, DeMarcus Cousins, Seth Curry and Klay Thompson. That that front five is enormous, and the one guy missing in that front five, who I mentioned a couple weeks ago, could have been that guy to win it for the Golden State Warriors. Kevin Durant. His absence in this NBA Finals have completely and utterly dis- not destroyed, but really tampered the chances for Golden State to win. You don't have that guy. Just if you know Kevin Durant. And the amount of just the amount of pressure he gives day in and day out on the court, the amount he like just his value. I can't even properly explain the value that Kevin Durant has for this team, and it's already been proven this series because the Toronto Raptors are up three one. Imagine if Kevin Durant was on the court playing, even though you got that nice All Star lineup in your front five without Kevin Durant. It's a blow because you've been playing with Kevin Durant this entire season. Now he's gone. You kind of have to play with that team that you, yeah, yes, still can win a championship with. Um, but uh, I, I will say I am, I think, what was it? It was, well, Draymond Green, um, he's, he's my guy at forward. I like his energy. I like his um, kind of confidence going into each and every game, uh, wanting to win. Uh, that's that's the type of confidence you're going to have to have coming back from a 3-1 deficit, just like the Cleveland Cavaliers did to the Golden State Warriors back in 2016 to come back from a 3-1. All right. I got to get to the next segment. It is the Madness. That's Madness segment coming up to you live, Radio DePaul Sports. RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. My name is Noah Festesine right here Monday Man Sports Talk. Be back in just a minute. Stay tuned. So I'm a cat. And I just moved in with this new human. And she's got this little toy she's always playing with. All day long. Tap, 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 tap. Bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese. And guess what? Egg rolls showed up. Like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. 
Rich Please, is just a really, oh, really, really good guy. The term good egg isn't enough to describe him. He's also certified organic and free range. Rich puts the cap back on everything. The toothpaste, the olive oil, the shampoo, everything. He lets his 10-year-old nephew beat him at virtual tennis, even though he can straight up slay his 10-year-old nephew in virtual tennis. When the toilet paper is running low, Rich replaces the roll on the actual holder, not just on the back of the toilet. Rich is texting and driving. Rich, no, what are you doing, Rich? I was just telling everyone how great you are. Texting and driving makes good people look bad. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fail, and one. Oh. Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. Welcome back to Money Matters Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festusine with Money Matters Sports Talk right here at DePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Continuing on with That's Madness, where I mix basically grind my gears and the whip segment as I just kind of run through a couple sports topics that are really kind of profound or any other topics for that matter are profound. The first topic being that uh, it correlates with the audio that I actually just played to introduce you to this segment was audio never letting go. It was madness on Friday where I went. It was my birthday. I went into uh, Hoffman Estates to celebrate at Spring Awakening. My favorite kind of music, as many of you guys are aware of, that I play on the so- show is EDM. Audience played. They played that song. I went crazy to it, so I introduced it to the segment. And that was madness. That was madness. It was amazing. Um, first of all, uh, speaking of my birthday, I want to wish, or not wish, um, thank you to everyone who wished me a happy birthday. It was an amazing day. Um, really had a lot of fun with my girlfriend, Maggie, my brother, Cole, my twin brother, who was also celebrating his birthday, his friends, uh, my friend, Ben was a lot of fun. So just great day. Most ideal day, beautiful day. Sun was out, not too hot, not too cold. Everything worked out. It was great. Um, so that was just madness. That's madness. Moving on into the next that's madness as I was very shocked by the mo- by by the news yesterday that David Ortiz back in his hometown of Santa Domi- uh, Santo Domingo Dominican Republic last night was at a Dominican club and he fell from his chair after being shot in the back by a motorcyclist who approached Ortiz at a basically a dance club in Santa uh, Domingo. And according to uh, Duran Mejia of CNN and a spokesperson for the, well, to CNN as a spokesperson of the Dominican National Police, uh, told 
reporters that he is in stable condition today after undergoing surgery um, and that the bullet uh, went through his back into his stomach. It went through his stomach. So obviously um, some serious surgery had to be done. Uh, as of right now, there is no further information about the situation. A lot of players, MLB players, are coming together and kind of, you know, on social media, you know, obviously wishing the best for Ortiz, as I will, uh, as I am doing right now on this show, um, wishing David Ortiz the best, because he's one of my favorite players of all time. Not even that, just a fantastic human being. I don't know what the motive of this was. Uh, according, there was some footage that was taken of the shooter. They only got the shot of the person's legs, apparently, when he was driving past um, they were, it was very fast. It didn't really happen. Um, it, it happened too fast for it to be, um, confirmed, but there are some suspects in, co in custody. Um, and there's been multiple people who have been, uh, kind of witnessed in terms of, you know, the prime suspects for that matter. Uh, but that's madness. That was madness. I mean, it's not good madness, but, uh, I wish David Ortiz, the best of recoveries. Okay, next subject. We got the Chicago Wolves. I, okay, okay. I may have overstepped a little bit with the Chicago Wolves in terms of them winning in five games. Said on the flip side, like I was talking about, the Toronto Raptors and the Golden State Warriors being flipped around as well. The Charlotte Checkers won in five games. The Charlotte Checkers win the Calder Cup and the American Hockey League, the affiliate to the NHL. Uh, specifically the Carolina, uh, checkers are, or the checkers of Charlotte are affiliated to the Carolina Hurricanes as the Chicago Wolves are affiliated to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. <sighs> I was at the game on Wednesday, last Wednesday, as I mentioned earlier in the show, when I found out that Craig Kimbrell signed with the Cubs was the Wolves when they were down three, nothing. I got that notification. That was the only thing I smiled about that night. Um, because the Chicago Wolves did not play up to, you know, expectations. They weren't as resilient as I thought that they were going to be in that game. The Charlotte Checkers just outskated them. Um, their goaltender is incredible, and he played phenomenally, and that was madness. That literally, the way that the goalie played, the way that really the Chicago Wolves season ended was absolute madness. Losing three straight games at home, that's madness. And I didn't go to any other games after they lost. Um, literally, after it was, the third goal that was scored against the Chicago Wolves was a shorthanded goal, and a, a, a fan in front of me um, was just like, you know, F this, I'm out. <laughs> and she just walked out with her with her boyfriend, and her boyfriend just looked at us like, I don't, I don't know, this is, don't mind her, you know. <laughs> uh, was, I thought it was funny. So just disappointment there at the Allstate Arena uh, this past week. But uh, incredible 25th anniversary season for the Chicago Wolves. It was a madness, madness it was of a season for that team. All right, last one, and then we're going to get into a whole segment about it, was UFC 238 was madness. It was absolute madness. Uh, back in Chicago, well, here in Chicago at the United Center, uh, 238 went down, and... It was madness because all my predictions in terms of fight of the night and, you know, best fight were kind of wrong. I I didn't really – I mean, yes, it was a great fight between Donald Cerrone and uh, Tony Ferguson, but it ended too early. 
Um, and the fight between uh, Shevchenko and I, the women's world title fight, was a great fight. Only until two minutes into the fight, Shevchenko threw a mad, mad high leg kick, uh, putting uh, I to the ground for a very long time, knocking her out cold. Um, I don't know. I wasn't there at the fight. I know one of my good friends, Carlos the Liquid Terminator Rodriguez, was at that fight. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second because, uh, you know, you know, it's the final show. Why not have my guy, Carlos the Liquid Terminator, call in and talk for the final show of the year, make it a little bit more of a sentimental factor because that's madness. You know it, folks. We'll be back with that call in in just a minute, talking UFC 238, UFC, and this is going to be the final sports segment of the year. Very excited to have him calling about this one. Um, so stay tuned. This is Radio Fall Sports, Money Mad Sports Talk. Back in just a minute. Stay tuned. Biking in Chicago is more than just a mode of transportation. It's a lifestyle. It's convenient, affordable, and with 13,000 bike racks, parking is never a problem. But with every reward comes a sidecar of risk. In Chicago, over 1,700 cyclists a year are killed or injured in bike accidents involving motor vehicles. Bike safety is simple. First, become familiar with Chicago bike laws. Know your hand signals and when to use them. Love your brain. Get a bike helmet that fits your noggin. And deck it out with a headlamp and some reflective gear for riding at night. Bike at least three to four feet away from parked cars to avoid being struck by a car door being opened. Motorists can do their part, too, by checking their side view mirrors for bike traffic before exiting their vehicle. Most importantly, remember that we're sharing the road. Looking out for both ourselves and each other is the only way to keep Chicago's roads safe, no matter what your wheels look like. For more information on bike safety in Chicago, visit www.chicagobikes.org. This public service announcement was brought to you by Radio DePaul, Chicago's college connection. I don't recycle. I mean, we can just find another planet for your kids to live on, you know? Noted non-recycler Tommy Crenshaw talks about the future. Oh, I can totally see finding another planet that can support life when ours fills up with trash. Log on to yougottobekidding.org and learn about all the ways you can recycle, unless you're into lame excuses like Tommy's. Hey, recycling's just not my thing. Starting over on a new planet? Now that's exciting. Don't be that guy, unless you want people looking at you funny. Log on to yougottobekidding.org. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. And welcome back to Money Man Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein. Going into the next segment with the DePaul Fight Song. And it is the UFC segment. Had a great fight night on Saturday. And unexpectedly was one of my good friends, Carlos, the liquid Terminator Rodriguez, uh, going to the fights himself. And he's on the line with me right now. What's up, Carlos? Hello, hello. I'm doing great. How's it going, dude? It's going well. It's going well. Final show of the quarter. And uh, I'm happy to have you on for the really the final official sports segment of the quarter. And I couldn't really ask for any better person to call in. As you've called in many times to the show, talk UFC, you kind of assisted me in UFC, and you can assist me best because you provided the best perspective going to the matchup matchups on Saturday at the United Center. I want you to talk about your experience and like what your favorite fight of was the night was of the night. Oh my gosh, man, it's really hard to tell 
which one is my favorite. The, what, what was crazy is I got lucky at a raffle. I met uh, UFC welterweight Stephen Thompson, and uh, he was at a T-Mobile place, and uh, they were giving away free tickets, and I happened to win in a raffle. So I made it to UFC 30, 238 for free. It was amazing. And uh, there were so many fights that were absolutely incredible. I mean, you have the main event, Sajudo versus Marais. You have that co-main event, but it was nothing but devastation uh, laid upon uh, Jessica I by Miss Valentina Shevchenko. What a savage. And then uh, Aljamain Sterling versus, uh, versus uh, I, I believe, it, oh, yeah, Pedro Munoz, the man who defeated uh, Cody Garbrandt. That fight was ridiculous. Yeah. That was a whole bunch of technical. Some fights. other fights that I didn't even expect to become ridiculous. Oh yes, the the many fights were insane. Yeah. And then uh and, and uh obviously the Tony Ferguson and Cowboy. Yeah, okay, can we can we talk about this fight, please? I like I, yeah. I've been itching at this fight and I was I was at I was at Buffalo Wild Wings. I didn't, you know, have to pay for the pay per view. I was only there to watch this fight. And I, I was left a little disappointed in terms of you know, not receiving the entertainment value that I thought I was gonna receive. But great fight nonetheless, up until um, you know, Cowboy in his eye became a problem, and uh, I don't know what was you. What was your response to that? Oh man, I was I was disappointed in it. I don't. I'm not quite sure if it happened when he got punched right at like after the bell. It could have been the case, but he did get dinged in the face and uh, at the end of the second round. But it was a great. It was a great fight. Like they were landing shots back and forth. I felt like Cowboy did look a little stiff, and, and it's always happened to Cowboy. Every time he gets close to the belt, he stiffens up a little bit. Like, he wasn't throwing the hands and then following up with the high kick, which there's so many moments. Process. I don't oh, know. I feel like there's another reason to that. I, there, Tony Ferguson has that certain sort of stature to him that kind of <laughs> – yeah, it, it makes it hard for his opposing fighter to kind of square up kind of the same way that they have in their careers. It's just that type, that's just the type of fighter Tony Ferguson is. Oh, that is true, man. I mean, that's why he's out Kokui, which means uh, the boogeyman. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> he strikes he strikes fear in all of his opponents. And, uh, yeah, he's very hard to, to, to do all your wonderful flashy moves you've been landing on other people, uh, you know, to do it on him. Because uh, the man just has nothing but confidence that he is going to destroy you that fight, and uh, that he's just much more unique and superior to you. And uh, he gives, he definitely gives that aura or whatever it's called. Aura. And uh, the uh, that's basically what's happening. I mean, I did have Tony winning that fight. Cowboy had some pretty cool moments too. I liked the the shots he was landing, and uh, I was hoping for him to find that finishing blow because I want Cowboy to walk away with the belt and, you know, retire because he's had too many fights. But I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. But at least give the man a Hall of Fame award if he hasn't got one yeah. already. Yeah, no, no. Well, I mean, you, you have the most amount of UFC wins. I think that's a no-doubter right there. Oh, yeah. Truth be told, and finishes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just a double whammy, if any. So uh, that's just Cowboy Cerrone. Looking forward to whatever comes next for him because I'm a proud fan of Cowboy. Going on to the Shevchenko fight. Um, I left and didn't watch it. Kind of wish I stayed because it was a quicker fight. Uh, that head kick, though, 
Did you were you were you're in the upper deck? Were you able to hear that head kick or something? Because that was one heck oh, of a yeah. kick. It was like it was like a home run. <laughs> it was a straight up home run. I saw her land a hit, but it was crazy. They like she hits uh, her in the head, but she drives her body way through it. So the head kick lasted like the the blow to the dome. It wasn't like a quick, like sometimes you see a head kick, somebody lands it and then sets the foot back down. She was like thrusting her whole body. It took a little while. So when she landed a kick, I thought, ouch, that hurt. But then I looked around, just looked around at the crowd, and then I looked back down, and I saw Jessica I completely flattened on the ground. And I was like, wait, what? Later out? And it was like, that was a head kick. I was like, wow. It took a while for Shevchenko to get her foot back down. But it was just because this body of Jessica I was fully asleep standing when that connected that, you know, her body needed time to fall on the ground and allow Shevchenko, you know, to be able to reposition, get her foot back and set it down. But she didn't, she didn't even need to do anything more. That's just how powerful that, uh, that kick was. (laughs) Yeah. She was gone for like two minutes. Yeah. I, I thought, I thought we were witnessing potentially the first death in the UFC octagon because uh, this girl was not moving for a long time. I was like, "Oh no, this is this is scary! Like, what's going on? Like, is she all right?" Like, I, I started getting worried for Jessica I, and then it got really hyped when she moved her first leg. Everybody started cheering, so we yeah. were all happy. That's good. She survived. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that to hear that you guys cheered. You know, that's it's you know you don't want to see that in the octagon having that you know near-death experience, uh, that's insane. Yeah. I mean, as much as that head kick was a great head kick, um, you don't want to see that in the octagon. Um, that's yeah. – uh, but great fight nonetheless. You know, way, way to end that fight quickly. The past two really big women fights um, have kind of had that quick fight feel to it. So um, kind of you know have to look forward to that maybe next time around for a big women's uh, championship fight. Now let's get into the main event. Uh, Henry Cejudo and Marlon Marias broke it down for the um, really the bantamweight title, but really to me it didn't really feel like a bantamweight title. Uh, you're a bantamweight fighter, at least. Uh, tell me from your perspective, there, Carlos. Uh, what was you know what about that fight stood out to you the most? See, the thing is, it's crazy. I mean, Henry Cejudo, he is a, a relatively small man. He tried to bulk up as possible for the 135-pound class. And, uh, but Marlon Marais is a tank, man. I couldn't believe. Like, he, he's got this, like, really young look to him, except he's uh, extremely ripped. But this man is so powerful. Those strikes seem like the most de- – I think they look more devastating than Cody Garbrandt's strikes. Like Really? Know, you like, you don't say. Okay. Any bantamweight that takes these shots will feel devastating pain. I mean, his leg kicks were precise and vicious. Like, I've been talking about Marlon Marais. Those punches can put you away if you leave your chin out for just one moment. It's not like the other bantamweights or especially the flyweights where you could have your chin out, eat a clean shot, but you're okay. Like, no, this man hits like he's a lightweight or, or heavier, uh, Marlon Marais. And so... Sejudo weathered the storm the first round, and he was getting chopped up. His legs were getting chopped up. He ate some powerful shots to the body, a couple to the head, but he partially blocked them, which managed, uh, you know, to keep Sejudo alive in there. But then Sejudo, 
uh, eventually started closing the distance, being the smaller guy, and finally clinched and used it like Anderson Silva and was managing to put Marlon Moraes' head into those knees, and it was crazy to witness. Uh, They both look extremely difficult to defeat. And me as a fighter, I was sitting there figuring out, how would I defeat these men? Like Both these men are absolutely studs, and this was a great animal weight fight. And anybody who didn't see it, slept on it. This was a great fight. Yeah, I... I knew it was going to be a great fight. I didn't know if it was going to meet the expectations it would meet for a main event fight like I would have wanted for, like, a Tony Ferguson Cowboy Serrani, but I was really impressed uh, with this fight. It's a great fight. The way that Cejudo came back and won. Last question for you about Cejudo here for you, Carlos, because, um, you know, being an Olympic gold medalist, uh, a two champ- two-time champion in two separate weight classes – uh, and with the aspirations to win for another weight class to maybe even make it to four championships, tell me, you know, do you think that Cejudo is trying to do too much for himself, or what do you think is in the blueprint for Cejudo now since he's the three-time champion? I think going up to 145 will be a little too much for yeah. him. He's just a little too small. He has the skills and the great mindset. Like He has a very superior mindset for being as small as he is kind of like Cormier with uh, with the heavier weight classes. But uh, the thing is, I think what he needs to do, he wants to be the number one GOAT. He wants people to respect him as the number one fighter. He wants to be the number one fighter to fight everyone being like, oh, you're too small and all that stuff. No one small likes to hear that. Oh, you're too small. I mean, we, we hate that. I hate that. And uh, so basically, I think what he needs to do is defend the belt at 135, defend the belt at 125 which he has done already one time against TJ. And I feel like you're, you're in the books because no no one no one has done that. But people who get the two belts, it's always like they lose a belt or they just don't fight. And uh, so they don't defend both simultaneously. Be the first to defend yeah. both simultaneously. Right. Then maybe in the future take it even further, break another record. Yeah. By going Do something even greater, something belt. beyond a championship belt. Uh that I think that could be the best take for that. Um, but Zuhudo, you know, with you know his status now as that sort of champion, uh, I, people are gonna look up to that. Fighters look up to that, and he could be well renounced as I don't know if you're gonna agree with this, but maybe the best combat sport fighter of all time. I I think he'll definitely be on that way, considering people have already gotten two belts. If he defends the bantamweight belt. And what if he were to go down and defend the flyweight as well? Like, no one's done that. Guarantee, I believe, number one pound-for-pound spot if he does that. like he's He would be the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter, yeah. Three other, three other people have already gotten the two belts. It's kind of hard to just be like, well, yeah. I want to favor Sadudo because even though he did get the Olympic gold medal, I think if he defends the Bantamweight belt, defends the Bantamweight belt, and he wants to fight Dominic Cruz, which... Uh, Dominic Cruz is my favorite fighter, man. But uh, I love yeah. Cejudo too. But uh, Dominic, uh, I mean, yeah, that could be a great that fight. That will solidify him as the, the best fighter ever. He could defend this belt because uh, yeah. people get two belts. Like Cormier got, you know, kind of like how uh, Nunez, Nunez did that belt. with her belt. But who did that? Oh, uh, well. Because people were taunting Amanda Nunez with her previous one that she is the best women's fighter of all time because of that belt, but we might need to see her defend that belt in order to codify that statement. Same thing for Henry Cejudo. 
really. It's 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 it's, it's, it's coming down to that with both. Um, I think the most dominant fighters in respective genders in both in UFC has been um, Henry Cejudo and Amanda Nunez, um, especially from the lower weight classes. Sure, so man, uh, Henry Cejudo, he looks very hard to beat. This man is real good, and people should not sleep on him. This man is a stud. Yeah, people shouldn't. Yeah, people should definitely not. Do I know what else people shouldn't sleep on? Is you, Carlos, for your great analysis that you have provided me on this show. Anytime I needed UFC to be talked about, you have provided it to me and beyond. Uh, and I couldn't thank you enough for doing this. It's been a lot of fun, and I expect to have you on even more uh, in the upcoming shows that we'll have. And I'm going to get into that in the next segment, uh, but we'll uh, we'll talk, Carlos. We'll talk. Indeed, indeed, my friend. Indeed, indeed. Now yep, is... yep, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. All right. We'll get into, um, into your final words, Carlos. Do you have any last words? Uh, hasta la vista, and I'll be back again, my friends. I'll be back. <laughs> Thank uh-huh. you, Carlos. Thank you. Um, Carlos Liquid Terminator and Rodriguez, Mount Prospect, Illinois, fighter and huge advocate for UFC. Uh, ran a bit overboard in terms of time, but I don't think we have a show next, uh, so I have some time to kind of make uh, some concluding thoughts uh, with the show and the quarter. So we're going to do that next. Right here, ready to Paul Sports.com and the Ready to Paul app. You're listening to myself, Noah Festicine, host of Monday Man Sports Talk. Be back. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody, squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And welcome back. My name is Sports Talk. My name is Noah Festenstein, concluding the quarter here at DePaul, Radio DePaul Sports. It's been a fun one. Taking me back into this into the show is where'd you go with Millennium said the sky. And here we are. Final show of basically the year. I mean, quarter wise, yes. Um, so with that being said, I've kind of hinted at it for the entire show, just did in my past segment with Carlos, in terms of what is going to happen with Monday Man of Sports Talk in the summer. Well, let me get to that right now. Um actually before that. I'm going to tease you for a little bit, guys, listeners. I apologize about me being a tease. Um, that Monday Mass Sports Talk has had one hell of a year. One heck of a year. Um, 
It came from Harper College Radio as it started back in 2016. Uh, that it was going to be a show for my, you know, likings in terms of perceiving sports and what goes on in the sports world. And it's just worked out for me for the best. You know, I've had great, great co-hosts, as you heard uh, earlier in the show. Blaze Mesa started off my co-host as a co-host for Money Mass Sports Talk. I created it as a solo broadcast. Then I turned it into um, reeling people in, helping others help me and helping them. It's like a chain reaction. But um, that's how Monday Mass has evolved itself to be. Uh, Monday Mass Sports Talk at Harper College. Um, you know, I had a lot of co-hosts, Blaze Mesa being one of them. Then it turned into James Jefferson. And then um, Cesar Sanchez jumped on board for that one back at Harper College. And then I moved into uh, DePaul, transferred to DePaul this past year. And Monday Mass Sports Talk became a, another solo broadcast uh, approaching it. However, I gave out the opportunity to anyone who is at Radio DePaul Sports wanting to do a radio show um, is to come on. And one of those guys being... Colby Marcio of C&G in the afternoon. Uh, that is the show, I think, Thursdays with him and Glenn Furfuth. So Colby Marcio for a quarter, the fall quarter, uh, co-hosted Monday Man of Sports Talk, uh, who is going to be my first shout-out. Thank you so much, Colby Marcio, for uh, you know you spending some of your time here at Radio DePaul Sports, being a co-host of Monday Man of Sports Talk. Um, it's been a phenomenal year uh, because of that start. Um, so great start. Uh, to the year here at Radio DePaul for Monday Mass Sports Talk, starting off with Chloe Marshall. And then it moved on to the winter quarter, which I started doing solo broadcasts, kind of established myself as a solo broadcaster and be like, you know what? This is, you know, I got to take the reins. I have to do as much as I can as a broadcaster and grow. And that's exactly what happened at winter quarter. Um, did a lot of stuff um, with, what was it? It was, I mean, the Bears, that was a lot of stuff. Um, you know, it was a challenge for me because I don't do a lot of football, but when the Bears got good, I was able to analyze it from that perspective and really tackle um, football back in winter quarter. Uh, also got into some hockey, baseball offseason, and all that good good jazz. Um, and that's that. That's really going into that part of it. Um, okay, by the way, we're going to be going overboard a little bit, so we don't have a show coming up, so I don't mind going overboard. I'm going to keep talking. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Money Mass Sports Talk really established uh, me as a sports solo sports broadcaster in winter quarter, and I had so much fun with it. Um, was able to meet a lot of other people here at the radio station and kind of spread the wisdom of being a broadcaster and being in front of a microphone, and that was just a lot of fun. Um, and then going into spring quarter, this quarter, I'll, I think it was the most uh, eventful quarter uh, so far, and I think it's going to get even more eventful. Monday Mass Sports Talk, uh, you know, continued to help me establish myself as a solo broadcaster. Got into some baseball season, got into March Madness, and all that great stuff. It was a lot of fun, and not only that, I also partaked throughout the entire year in Sports Flash. I'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, Sports Flash, and then I did Pocket News Tuesdays and Thursdays at the regular Radio DePaul uh, stream. Um, was able to write scripts for sports newscasts and all that great stuff, only making myself a better personality. And it, everything that I have done here at Radio DePaul, Radio DePaul Sports, has just been an absolute, one word, a blessing. Um, I, I couldn't really ask for any place better to be 
as I continue my aspirations to be a broadcaster in this world. Um, and that is, of course, Radio DePaul Sports. So that brings me to my next step here. Uh, all of what has happened here at Radio DePaul Sports with Monday Mass Sports Talk and myself this year has culminated in a lot of just, I would say, success. Growing, I think most importantly, growing my confidence and becoming the best that I can be in front of a microphone um, has just really uh, been the thing I valued most. Secondly, um, right, Monday Night Sports Talk was originally a Harper College award-winning radio show, being the best sports talk show at Harper College, uh, has now been nominated, was nominated uh, for best talk show uh, at Radio DePaul Sports. Um, the show who won best overall talk show was Soapbox by Charlie Bevins. I would like to send my congratulations out to Charlie Bevins for winning that award. Um, but then the next award that was nominated for Monday Mad Sports Talk was best use of social media. Uh, as many of you may listen to my show via Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Um, best use of social media uh, was won by Monday Man of Sports Talk. Monday Man of Sports Talk uh, has been named the show that has been uh, that has the best use of social media, and I could not be any happy with that. I'm very, very, very proud of that. Uh, because social media is a huge aspect, especially with our streaming service. Having that listenership is very important. Um, okay, so now moving on through that, um, got a couple more things to say. It's, it's okay. One, being summer, so summer shows. I always like to do summer shows, and never, never, ever like to stop doing radio. So I don't look to do that. Uh, there's two options for me. Um, well, two possibilities that you guys can be listening to me on the radio, per se. The continuation of Monday Mass Sports Talk during the summer will more than likely not be via the stream of Radio DePaul Sports, rather the actual Radio DePaul stream. So I could be doing and programming Monday Mass Sports Talk every Monday from the Radio DePaul stream at a time to be determined. Um, nothing has been officialized yet, but I do plan on being in front of a microphone at points this summer to do this show weekly. Um, there's going to be, there's going to be no show next week. Uh, I don't know about the week after that. I'll keep you guys in the, in the loop in that one. But in terms of next week, no show, I'm going to take a break for that one, but then we'll really officialize something for my demand sports talk to be programmed during the summer after that. And then other shows. So that brings me to my last subject. And last thing to say on the show today is there's going to be bigger plans for Monday Madness Sports Talk going into next year. It's going to stay as an hour show. However, I plan on doing a STEM of a show, a, a STEM show, basically, uh, off of Monday Madness Sports Talk, and it is going to be called Beyond the Madness with Noah Festenstein. And it's going to be a 30-minute show after Monday Madness Sports Talk. Uh, I look to do interviews, look to do specific sports topics, and just having that coverage, it could be a podcast, it could be pre-recorded, it could be live. Anything can happen with that. Everything's in the blueprints, but beyond the madness to come next fall quarter. So stay tuned for that. You can follow me on social media at nfesti97 on Instagram. That's at nfestie97. That's at nfestie97 on Instagram. On Twitter, it's at nfesti with a Y. So that's at nfesty at nfesty97 
on Twitter. You can follow me or search out my name, Noah Festenstein. All righty, folks. That is it. That's the end of the year here for Monday Madness Sports Talk on Radio DePaul Sports. It's been quite the roller coaster. I loved it so much. Have had the best time of my life beyond what I have expected here um, to be a part of the radio station at DePaul University. So excited to see what comes next. So excited to see what you guys uh, have to feel about what's coming next because, you know, it's all about you guys. I love you. Love the listeners. Always have. Um, This has been Monday Man Sports Talk right here, Ready to Fall Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. And we're going to take you on in the next couple weeks, I would hope, summer shows. But in terms of readytopallsports.com, we'll see you guys next fall. This has been Noah Festestein, signing out. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.